Positioning yourself as a market-leading expert might sound ambitious or self-aggrandizing, but if you're in business and this isn't your goal, then you might want to have a think about why not. Understanding your value and who needs that value is the foundation of business. When you are your business, trying to understand your value can throw up all kinds of issues. This week, my guest is Jen Hall, and Jen's business is centered around helping business owners position themselves as market-leading experts. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every Monday, I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new to the show, then take a second right now to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes, and you can grab some older ones when you finish this one. Also, don't forget to join our Facebook community. Just visit the shortcut URL, amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. And also head over to YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just search Bob Gentle and you'll find it very easily. So welcome along and let's meet Jen. So this week, I'm delighted to welcome Jen Hall from Market Leader League to the podcast. Jen, do you want to maybe start just by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you do? Absolutely. Um, first of all, thank you so much for having me on here. Um, so I basically help successful entrepreneurs to become market leaders in in a very um, short space of time. Um, we, you know, I own two companies, so I have my Market Leader League coaching company and I also um, run an adventure travel company with my partner and also fiance and we've been running um, that company now for around about um, five years now just coming up to five years and we've really grown during that time we've sort of grown around 700% which is huge huge growth in terms of um, our revenue pushing over seven figures Um, but also the fact that we've created such a significance within that market and what I've done is basically taken the blueprint of what we've achieved during that period of time and systemized it and so you know I've, I've been helping you know entrepreneurs for, for a very long time a lot longer than five years but having this kind of baby to use and really have as that kind of one-on-one test to take it from where it was to where it is now has been huge. And so my business has, on the coaching side of things has absolutely grown as that company has grown. And I've been able to kind of systemize that and deliver that to other companies, smaller companies who can then use that blueprint. And I'm using the word blueprint, but actually I'm sure as, as you know, uh, Bob, having been in the been around the block a few times, is that there is no kind of like one set prescription to any business because every business is different. Um, And that's something that I've seen over the years of working with, you know, many different um, businesses, many different models, is that whilst there are certain milestones within businesses and there are certain things that we need to, each of us need to cover. So as an example, for instance, niching, um, I know, Bob, you and I were talking about that you know, just before we came on here and how important niching and finding your thing is. Every business has to go through that. So the blueprint is loose in terms of what we what we cover. But when we get down to the granular detail, it's imperative. And it's something that, you know, I'm all about is finding those nitty gritty granular USPs 
that really pull you apart because what you don't want to be and what won't take you to market leader level is being the same as everybody else and coming through that conveyor belt of the same same entrepreneurs doing the same thing following the same road that's just not going to get you to where you want to be so whilst there's those critical areas i think it's really important to, to focus on that granular detail i think one thing that's really interesting in what you said there was because you had the travel business it effectively gives you a laboratory to experiment in. And I think a lot of coaches in particular, because they're so focused on their coaching business, they, and th- that experimentation is always secondhand through other people's businesses. So the feedback loop isn't quite there. And I think also because it's your laboratory and it's actually a real business, you have to do the hard things that you know have to be done that a lot of the time we give ourselves excuses for not doing. So I really like that you have that business um, there that you're taking seriously. It's not just a a sort of side hustle, if you like. Absolutely. It's so true. And I really love the way you put it's the laboratory. And you're exactly right, is that I think, you know, everybody is great at giving advice, but taking it for themselves and doing the things they need to do is a very different story. So, you know, I've kind of had that 360 feedback, both from obviously, like you say, the, the Adventure Travel Company, but then also having being able to work with other companies as well you're able to see what's working and and that's been the beauty of all of this is having the the knowledge and the background knowledge of working with a variety of different types of businesses um and also working with both genders and things like that you know all this whole mix of uniqueness that that gets brought to the table as to the different types of businesses that you end up working with and then having this like you say this this laboratory it's given given such a rounded view of what works, what doesn't work for each different type of business. Because, you know, there's this thing that's been bandied around for quite some time. You've got to have a Facebook group. It's the thing to have. Everyone has to have a Facebook group. Now, for, you know, our adventure travel company, my gosh, it's brilliant. I think we've got, I'm taking a guess here, I think it's around 3,000-ish that we have in, in, in that group at the minute. And it's brilliant. It's proving a great source of income as well as creating that community and building in those those fans. But you take that same principle and you put it to a different type of business. So, for instance, the type of people that I end up working with um, on the coaching side of things, they're too busy to be hanging around in a Facebook group. They, they're not there because they they don't get the quality of information that they need that they need at that stage in their kind of you know business career and so it doesn't work necessarily for my type of you know for that particular type of business model so one there is no one size fits all and you really do have to look first and foremost at who it is that you're serving because if you don't figure out that person because there you know there are businesses which help other businesses at a very um you know, infantile age, and actually they massively hang around in Facebook groups because they're they're checking out, they're networking, they're they're checking the lay of the land, and so they've very much got their fingers in those type of areas. But once you get going, and once you start making money in business, and once you've got all of these things, and you've got a team to run, and you've got customers coming out of your ears, 
you're going to be spending less and less time in those spaces. And so therefore, even though they're both business people, they're at very different stages and therefore work very differently, which is why, um, you know, I've recently started up my podcast because it's an easier way for people, I think, to consume content. Perhaps not now if you're locked up at home with kids, something I'm finding very difficult is time to listen to anything without being interrupted every five seconds. Um, but yeah, Bob, I don't know, how old is your kids? Well, I'm, obviously I miss my kids a lot, um, but my youngest is 18, 19. I'm sorry, Finn, I can't remember. Um, <laughs> but he's currently locked down in Glasgow through 200 miles away from me. And my oh, older son is the same. Um, they're both, my older son recently graduated and has started work. So um, yeah, I have no kids at home right now. So you don't quite have the the the, inter, the interruptions of uh, no. I've got a seven year old, and um, you get all the weird questions. As if there's a gift going round at the minute with um, oh what's his name? Oh I can't remember. Talk about that for a great conversation piece. Um, but basically asking all of the most random things under the sun about you know what who's who's the tallest man you've ever met? And you just <laughs> <laughs> you just need to concentrate for just a second. So yeah. But on an, on, an, on an ordinary day, I think podcasting is fantastic. And I think it's a great way for people to consume on the dog walk, on the, you know, if you, when you are driving to the office, um, or even when you're just eating lunch and you're just having a chill out. I think it's, it's a much easier way to, to consume content. And I think it, it also gets a very different um, type of listener as well. Somebody who is really interested in, in what you have to say. And it's not just like a quick one and done, give me the information and I'm off. They're genuinely taking value from, from what you have to say when, when you have a podcast listener. So I think that they're the best kind of consumer. So well done, everyone. <laughs> well, I, th I think you're right. And I think what was interesting in that, and also what you were saying previously about the Facebook group is some people will tell you, oh, podcasts are great. You should do a podcast. Mm. Other people will tell you, you need a Facebook group. Facebook groups are great. And superficially those are correct and but not for everybody and and it's hard sometimes for people to understand why that is and i think it's understanding where each of those things sits within universal principles of digital marketing and the podcast is a point of discovery it's it's where people might encounter you but they might also encounter you on youtube it might be a blog it might be through your search profile or ads there's no right or wrong there's just what's right or wrong for you in your context and it's the same with the Facebook group. Everybody needs to have a funnel process of some kind. And for some people, if they've got the time and their audience is ripe for that style of first step of engagement, then a Facebook group can be great, but it might be a lead magnet. It might be a webinar. There's lots of different funnel strategies that you can use, but it really has to be what's right for the business and the audience. There is no one size fits all. So yes, I really like the way you you outlined that. Uh, absolutely, I th I think it is right, and I think you you make a good point as well, Bob. Around it has to be right for the business owner as well, because for instance, you know, you must be on video. You know what? If you're really not great on video, then and you don't really enjoy it, then maybe that's not the best medium that you should be using. You know, you've got other superpowers, or maybe you know, utilize another member of your team, or, or get someone on board who who can take that forward, or whatever it is. But I think you know, people battle with you need to have. But if it, like you say, if it doesn't fit the, the, the business owner, the person that's delivering it and the audience and, the, you know, the system that you've, you've created, as you say, the funnel, then, you know, there's there's a whole magic mix that goes into there. It's 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 
it's quite intricate really when you think about it and the mm. other thing is that um you know everybody's got this thing around you know trying to use these kind of funnels and these systems but if you don't bring something new to them then you know a poor message is just a, a poor message am amplified you need to make sure that that message is is really something that grabs attention and is something that is unique that makes people kind of go aha okay this is something new something i need to listen up to um and you know that's something that i really focus when i said about this blueprint one of the major things um that we focus on during that is looking at what i call the unique magic bullet which is basically a usp that's productized because there's so many personal brands out there at the moment sort of saying oh well i'm unique because i'm me and yes to a certain extent that is something that's brought to the table as part of the cocktail of what makes you unique but it really is no different everybody's unique just like everybody else we need to start really upping our game when it comes to thinking about those usps and thinking about what do i have or what can I create more to the point that is different from everything else out there? And I think it's a question, it's something that I struggled with for a very long time. Um, and, and I think the reason I struggled with that is because I was waiting for this kind of like bolt out of the blue that would just kind of fall into my lap. And yes, that's the thing. That's the thing that makes me different to everyone else. And it never happened. And I was looking at my business and going, what's different? What's different? And the fact was there was nothing different. And that's the problem. There was nothing different about that particular business. I've been an entrepreneur now since I was 19. So I've actually had a fair few businesses and a fair few businesses that have failed as well. And part of that is because I didn't have anything unique. And looking back, knowing what I know now, it's really one of those things that I'm just like, if only I had stopped looking for something and actually started creating something, I would actually find that I could have perhaps really grown that business. And it, I wouldn't have had to just kind of let it go because it wasn't making the money it was making. And if I just honed in and really started to innovate something that was different, then things would have been different. I could have grown those businesses. And so that's something that I focus on big time. And talking of this laboratory business, that's something that we did, you know, very specifically. Fortunately, at that point, I'd already cottoned on to this, this concept of creating and innovating USPs. And so that's something that we really focused on. And I genuinely um, attribute a lot of the growth of that business to those productized USPs and doing the things that other people weren't doing um, and really finding the gaps in the market and not necessarily in terms of products because at the end of the day you know, there, there's a need in the market and and you know every market is saturated and so those needs are already being fulfilled so then you will always come up against competitors or other people in your field who are doing similar things and you know in a way that's good great because it's validated what you're doing it's needed it's wanted but how are you going to differentiate how are you going to pull yourself apart from that so that you're no longer selling another apple like they are how are you going to you know create that innocent smoothie out of that apple so that it becomes something entirely different which dominates a corner of that market and that you become known for that's that's for me is the key mm. and i think people often underestimate the value of dominating a very small corner this is a planet with seven billion people and you don't need an awful lot of success in that context to be very successful um, one of the things that I stumbled across on your website, and I, I think it's probably the same thing as 
the the framework that you were talking about earlier but you talked about a five-step recipe to positioning have, have i got this vaguely right you have is that's that's from um, a book that um, I published a couple of years ago, years ago called Expert Unrivaled, and that really is honing in on that that niche and really like you say dominating that corner of the market and creating that cocktail of uniqueness. Absolutely. Well, you, you may have superseded that five step recipe now, but I'd be curious for anybody listening, and they want to take the first steps on honing out that special position for themselves. How might they start that process? The, to, the, the first step is really looking at back to back to the old thing. It's so funny. I've just um, I'm laughing because it's all about the ideal client. And I, um, I recently downloaded uh, Russell Brunson's traffic secrets that he's got out. And I thought the audio. Ooh, I, I'm waiting till he goes soft copy on that. I don't want to buy his Are hard you? copy because it won't match my others. I'm really <laughs> looking forward to it. <laughs> Absolutely. But I got the audio bit to get in there quick because he's not shipping them out till May the 5th, I think. Um, and the first chapter, I giggle every time. It's like ideal client, ideal client. And it really is. You've got to decide who, who it is that you want, you know, for, for your business. Who are you best placed to serve? And sometimes, you know, people get stuck on who is my ideal client so much of the time that there's always that you've kind of got two different people so you've got someone who has been through something and struggled with it come out the other side and they're qualified through experience so generally your ideal client is usually nine times out of ten you at some stage in your life the other type of person that you have is someone who has kind of always been good at something um, so they're kind of like the 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 expert and I say always I mean they've they've honed in through their career and just become you know obsessed with the topic become amazing at it and become this kind of almost like a heart surgeon versus the person who has suffered with the heart problem and so if you're the heart surgeon you know you're helping people who are not as good as that and, and helping to kind of hone those skills in and if you're the person who's been through the heart problem you're coming from a much more of an empathetic angle where you're like yeah i totally get it these are things that i did in order to do it versus the kind of tactics and strategy that they've really honed in and now can teach people who are none the wiser so that you generally kind of fit into one of those two categories so you can kind of decide what, what are you the heart the heart problem sufferer who's come out the other side or are you the heart surgeon and when you do that that can kind of give you a really clear look at what it is that you do for people and who is your people who, who is who are excuse the grammar who are those people that you you are best placed to serve and it's about getting really granular so for instance when we look at um the adventure travel company there are there are people who still now because we've, we've kind of we started dominating that corner and really looking exactly who that kind of like hardcore tracker. Um, but, but the more well-known we've become in that space, the more we've started to kind of attract attention. And I say we, our following have attracted a lot of attention. So whenever anyone mentions about going to Kilimanjaro, going to Everest Base Camp, our people are doing the kind of sharing for us. We get a lot of referrals. So we get so many people going, hey, yeah, look, look, like you must go with these guys. But what that does is you start attracting people that perhaps weren't the right people to begin with. And sometimes they can mold to your ways and other times they, they just really aren't made for it. So for instance, something, something that we really differentiate in terms of what we offer, this is not a holiday. This is an expedition. 
the people who want a holiday are not for us. And so it's also coming up with the messages that we're going to put the wrong people off. And that line for us in that business is something that works really, really well. So, you know, whilst we are creeping over to the wider market now, we still want to make sure we're only taking people on and we're kind of setting those boundaries about the types of people that we want to work with. But it's nice to kind of have that problem now. Before it was we need customers. Now it's we really just want to want the right customers. We, we want to make sure that we're only sort of keeping that reputation we don't want to start moving into kind of like a two-e situation where we're getting everyone wanting to go on a you know on a nice fancy holiday this is you know third world country trekking intense in lodges with, with, that might have a crack in the window because it's a third world country and that's what you have to expect and so it's really understanding the personality types and also the reason why somebody wants to go and setting those expectations around what that is. And when I say where they want to go, that could be applied to any business. We're looking at the transformation. You know, for the adventure travel company, it's a transformation of becoming that adventure hero of, wow, look what I've done. I've gone on this huge challenge and I've accomplished and I can come home and I can regale all of these stories. You know, for my coaching business, the type of person where they want to go, that they want to build an, an empire business where they've got huge significance in the market, that they are the go-to person for their thing and that then they're, they're invited to speak because of that, that they can write books on that thing, that it really pricks up the ears of their industry so they can go, wow, okay, that's, yeah, that this, this is incredible, something groundbreaking that you've come to the to the door with we want to hear more about this even from perhaps some of your competitors that's where my ideal client on that side of things wants to go so where does your ideal client want to go where do they want to be taken and i'm talking about two very aspirational businesses here the other thing that we need to think about is you know is are you an aspirational business or are you somebody who's helping a, a bleeding neck issue and I always, something in, in that book, in fact, that I use the, the analogy of shoot the shark or building a bridge. And so if you can visualize, um, you know, somebody standing on a, a desert island and they can see the success island of where they want to be. Now, is there something grizzly? Is there a grizzly shark snapping at their ankles that, that is preventing them from getting them there? Or is it that they just need to build that bridge to get over? And if you decide what kind of business you are, are you shoot the shark or are you build a bridge, that really helps to identify the types of things that that ideal client will be going through. So first step is look at, are you, are you helping someone where you've already been? And then you can use yourself as that laboratory and go, okay, so how did I feel? Was I feeling like coming, I was coming from a positive place where I want to build the bridge? Or was I coming from somewhere where actually I was just in a really bad place? And I needed to get rid of that before I could get any further. So you can hone your message in so that it really speaks to the, the unsaid thoughts of that person. That's when your marketing will really start to stri strike a chord that's going to start building that audience that will happily share for you i think that's really interesting what what i was making a note there you've got the sort of aspirational potential and you've got the bleeding neck potential or the shark and the bridge and your ideal customer actually could be in either camp really but what it does suggest is the the, the tactic of the lead magnet for example you probably want and i might be going in, entirely against what you've said so 
feel free to sort of nudge me in the right direction in a moment. But you might want to have a shoot the shark leak mag a shoot the shark lead magnet and a build a bridge lead magnet to address the two emotional states your ideal customer may be in. Absolutely. I don't think you're far wrong. I think the thing is to identify and I think that's what I kind of what I was saying earlier on around you know, there are people at two different stages. You could both be business owners who who need help, but they could be at two very different stages. And so in essence, I would like to think of them as two separate people, even though they're both on the same journey. But it doesn't mean you can't help both of those. They just need two very different things. So going to, you know, back onto the lead magnet thing, like you said, you could have two very different ones that, that tackle, you know, a bleeding neck issue on one that starts, you know, starts on the road of, wow, this is where you could be. And it will it will pull those people in. And I think what's important is what you offer next off of the back of there as to what they need. Um, that really helps to segment that those two different ideal clients that you may well be fully qualified to help both of them. But I think it's the messaging that will really pull in the people at the, at the different stages that you can then look at okay so these are two different paths that will eventually meet but what what do i need to offer them at this stage because this is where they're at yeah no that makes a lot of sense i think somewhere i would like to go next if it's all right is just to maybe look at your own sort of coaching business a little bit because obviously this is the digital marketing entrepreneur show and i quite like to explore the businesses not just the practice of the guests, but also their own business a little bit. So I'm keen to understand for you in your market leader league business, what does an ideal customer look like for you? Well, it very much goes back to what I was saying earlier around um, having that ambition. It's, it's the skin in the game is, is, is the type of person that I want to work with. Is so. For instance, sometimes it's easier to explain who is not potentially my ideal client, um, and you get you generally for me you get two different kind of business owners. One that is creating a business purely for freedom, so they're looking more at their kind of passive income streams, um, ways to work less, um, anything they can do to kind of have success. Absolutely, but they only want to give as much time as they need to give. And that for me isn't isn't the right kind of client for me. The, the person that I really am best to help with because I'm more aligned with them um, in terms of the, the, the driving, the core driving reason why they're running a business is generally because they, they have this mission and this passion to help as many people as possible. They've got a lot of skin in the game. They want to get to that market leader level. They want to have significance. They want to have the book. They want to be invited to speak in places. Um, and they want to be seen as a force to be reckoned with. Um, and they're willing to put in the time, they're willing to put in the graft and, and the effort to, and to continually grow. So that, you know, there, there's never a kind of that glass ceiling. It's like, great, well, we've got here. Okay, where's next? Let's go, 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 go. Um, those are the types of clients that I love to work with because they're, they're just willing to do so much. They're, they're so committed. And when I say so much, what I'm not a fan of is hustle and like driving yourself into the ground and hitting burnout. I think balance is absolutely important. Um, but these are the type of people that once they get an idea in their head or once they've got a content idea, they'll stay up because they just want to get it down because they know that those words or that piece of content is going to be so important to the people that they want to help. 
that for me is the the type of person that I love to work with because they're, they're, they're just so driven. Mm. I think I was, my next question was going to be, you mentioned they're willing to put in the time, the graft and the effort. I was interested to know where that time, where that graft was being most commonly invested. Is it typically all on the sort of content marketing mix or are there other places that often they have to put time more importantly? Quite a lot of the time when people come to me um, to help them, there is a big messaging shift. So at the front end, there's a lot of work. Moving forward, that work changes because you'll end up getting more clients, more customers, and therefore, you know, the shift of time and effort changes to ensuring that you're onboarding them properly, that you're Im you're implementing what you said you were going to do and that you're giving them great results and so and so forth so that you can then turn them into great case study models to then put back in the front end and so and so forth and rinse and repeat. But there is, a, there is normally a lot of hard graft in the beginning because once you change your message, everything that you put out there has to change. You know, um, when I moved pivoting from, from helping a newer business to helping successful entrepreneurs become market leaders, you know, I was trying to re being the lazy person I am, trying to reuse a lot of my content. It just wasn't hitting the mark. Once you change your message, once you pivot, everything you offer has to change your lead magnets, your content, what you're putting out there. So everything that you created at the front end before now has to change because, you know, otherwise it's not going to be attracting the right type of person. So your website um, needs to change the copy on there on, on every single page. Um, eventually and by the way top tip here is if you are doing a big change like this the best thing you can do is reduce your website to to the minimal pages that you need and then add on as you go because otherwise you'll just be there forever doing a huge job but yeah there's a lot of hard graft in the in, in the beginning in terms of creating that content changing the copy on your website ensuring that messaging is out there creating those evergreen assets um, marketing assets you know for instance like creating podcast episodes like um, recording YouTube videos, depending on what medium you're using, your email marketing, creating new um, funnels on your email management system. There's so much that does go into it as soon as your message changes. But the difference is, is once you kind of hit that nail on the head, whilst there's that moment of, oh God, I've got all this to change now. You're so excited by this new big idea, by this new niche, by this thing, this message that, that now aligns with everything that you're about, that you're just you're just willing to do it, you will stay up and you will put the hard graft in to make sure that happens. But that teeters off. Um, you know, once that's out there, you can really you can reuse and repurpose a lot of that content that you create in that in that first sector. And then you can move on and then you can start to think about, OK, so how am I going to give my customers the best possible experience, um, you know, to, to give the best possible product? that's out there on the market and then you've got to spend time making sure that they're looked after so it never it never stops but just what you spend your time on shifts yeah no that makes a lot of sense and certainly as somebody who is sort of in sort of middle stages of a rebrand nothing is visibly public yet it's astonishing how big the list is of things that need to be done absolutely it's terrifying so you're absolutely right what's the minimum viable product as far as a website is concerned is a very good shout Yes, 100%, because that can be, because especially if you've been in the game a long time, 
you've got a lot of stuff. I've got so much stuff on my website and changing all of that. Oh my gosh, it would give you a massive headache. So yeah, I mm. just hide, you know, hide the pages that you're not, you don't really need right now and then focus on them first. So can I ask you what your marketing looks like? I think it's, it's always very interesting because, and I always ask this question and I'll preface it a little bit. Most guests, I find their work comes from one of a, a small number of sources. It's either referral or it's through their own inbound marketing activities or it's through search or, or it's through sort of standard business development. They go out and they cold call. What does that typically look like for you? For me, at the the moment where I've pivoted towards you know, a slightly different idle client, it's now the podcast. It used to be YouTube um, because they find that the, the the newer people on the on the on the business line will search for stuff um and they'll go onto youtube and whatever else but a more seasoned business owner they want a different kind of conversation more less of less of the how-to and and more of the the, the deeper high-level conversations which are going to bring those golden nuggets which when implemented has huge ramifications in terms of growth for a business um, and so that is better delivered for them and me via podcast so that's where i get the majority of my leads at the moment as well as as well as networking networking is is something that i've um as an introvert had to become better at it's something i still don't particularly like and i really have to rev myself up to, to put myself out there and do it um even more so um online i'm finding it's harder to get into the networking strut as a, an introvert uh, it's because it's easier not to turn up when i've got to go somewhere i'm like okay well i'm, I'm ready now the, the lippies on the coats on i've, I've got i'm in the car let's just do it whereas for the online stuff it's so easy just to go no i'm, I'm good for today so i really have to get myself into gear to do it but that is uh, is it's it's been really fruitful um the networking side of things online and offline um speaking gigs are also huge um you know when i get a speaking gig the conversion rate is normally much much higher than any other thing um second to that it's probably my podcast uh, other than um the speaking gigs that that i do um so yeah those are the kind of the two main things and and obviously speaking on other people's podcasts as well so those are kind of my the three key things that i focus on now which were different so like i said youtube was a huge focus for me a couple of years ago um, Facebook groups used to be a huge thing for me as well. I used to have, a, you know, a, a, you know, a group of over a thousand, um, which I hit the, the the bomb button on because it just, like I said, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't working for my business anymore. The where I'd kind of transitioned to. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at now and where I used to be. I think something else I'd like to ask you because you sound very confident, very competent. I'd like to know of the whole spread of your business which bit do you struggle with the most oh what a question the bit that i struggle with the most do, do you know what it's the networking that's the thing that's the thing that i struggle to do the most um i very much i love to be the one that does the persuasion that puts the stuff out there i can be very lazy and i love to see leads come in automatically <laughs> and then have those one-on-one -on -one conversation when people reach out because as, as an introvert that's what happens people like i much prefer to react to someone who's who's kind of reached out to me than the other way around so that's the bit that i've really had to you know i've really struggled with and something that i have to give myself a bit of a slap and go come on you can't just see you know it's not about build build it and they will come you know to a certain extent that can happen 
but I, you know, also particularly at this time at the minute, personal conversations and personal outreach and getting in there and amongst it and talking to people is so important. And, you know, if you're not doing that, you are going to be, you're just going to disappear into a hole. That's the thing I do find the most difficult is finding the energy to do it. Not the confidence, I'm to- I've got all the confidence, but the energy for that personal outreach can be difficult. See, I would never ex- have expected that to be your answer uh, because you do come across socially as very confident. And I think that's something particularly the, the more people with some life experience as introverts, they often don't present as introverts anymore. And it, it's, yeah, it's very interesting to see. I think I, I, I do. So sorry, I was going to say, I do hear that a lot around, uh, you know, I would never have guessed you were an introvert, but because of the confidence, but I, it's, I always find it's, it's, it's for me, whether you're an introvert or not, is the energy drain and being around people as much as I love it. And I'm very social. Don't get me wrong. I do like people. Um, but it does after a while, it does, it does drain me. Um, it really zaps me of energy. So Jen, you've been very generous with your time and very generous with your knowledge. And I've made lots of notes, but we should probably bring things to a close. So I'd quite like to ask you my question that I try and remember to ask every guest. And that's what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago? Oh, I, I want to say two things. <laughs> Are we allowed to say two You can two have things? two. It's fine. Yes. You're the okay, guest. First thing is niching. And when I say niche, I mean micro niche. If, if, if I have really honed in into that person, it just opens up so many doors as to where your business goes in terms of what products you create, what we you know, what's the how you market them, the angle in which you market them. It just makes such a difference. Um, and I really wish that I'd done that instead of just doing the thing that everyone else is doing. I really wish I'd micro niched. And the second thing is creating those productized USPs. If, if, if I'd have known that back in the day, um, I would be a lot further along now than I am because, you know, things would, would have, you know, time is a grower. It, it allows your business to grow. Um, but if you don't have the right things implemented from as soon as you possibly can, you're kind of leaving a lot of money on the table. That's kind of feel like how I feel like it's been, that that's my biggest regret is if only I'd have known that those two things back then, I would be a lot further along than I am now. Well, those are brilliant answers and I'm glad you did too, because yeah, they're good ones. Fab. Jen, if people want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that? Well, the the best place to come and find me is on my podcast, Expert Unrivaled. You just have to search it and subscribe. Um, I'm on there every single week and I've currently got a special market leader series going on at the moment as well. So please come and check me out over there. Um, the other way that you can kind of connect with me on a more personal level is I'm running um, these Evolve and Elevate strategy sessions. They're 90 minutes long. Um, they are run in a group of a maximum of five people. And um, they are designed to look at where you are right now, specifically under this lockdown and with the pandemic going on and all of those kinds of things. It's looking at where you are right now and what we can implement to make sure that you're still thriving um, throughout this period. Um, on, on the adventure travel side of things, we've just made 100K in 10 days. And I'm saying that not to brag, but to kind of give you guys some hope that people are buying right now um, and that you still can make money and you can still make a big impact in, in the market that you're in, 
if you put those things in place. So it's looking at where you're on right now and finding those specific areas in which to focus on to fast track you to being where you want to be. Um, so they're, they're at 20 pounds and I can probably pop you a link, Bob, if you wanted to pop that in the show notes or something. I don't know Absolutely. How, you, how you do it. Fair. Yes, happy to do that. Great stuff. Jen Hall from Market Leader League, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's been amazing. And really, really appreciate you having me on here, Bob. It's been fab. It's been a great conversation. Okay, I've had great fun. Thank you. Thanks so much. The theory of finding your niche is very simple. The more you specialize, the more attractive you become to your ideal customer. But the reality is most businesses avoid it because in order to niche effectively and profitably, you have to position yourself in the mind of your customer as the go-to expert. Positioning takes work, but if you make the time and do the work, you get to enjoy the benefits. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe, and if you haven't already, then join our Facebook group. You'll find a link in the show notes, or just head to amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. I would love for you to connect with me on social media. You'll find me everywhere online at Bob Gentle. And if you do connect with me, message me and let me know that you did it as a result of the podcast so I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It would mean a lot to me and it's the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Jen for giving us her time this week and to you for listening. And see you next week.